And so I think that that's just such a great reminder too, is that there's so many limitations that we put on to ourselves because that's what makes ourselves feel safe, you know, of like, well, let me just cage myself here or here or here or here. And so it doesn't allow us the freedom to just be. Yes. And I think as humans, for some reason, we're terrified of change. And in order to do something new, to create or listen to that voice within, change is inevitable. Growth is inevitable. We know these things. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today is episode number 137, and it is a very special one. I have one of my best friends, Alicia Oxy, on the podcast today. Now, Alicia is a lot of amazing things. She is a mom. She's an actress. She's a producer. She is also a fellow podcaster. She is the host of That One Audition, and she is an incredible friend. This episode is a personal one. Alicia was recently at my home in Nashville, Tennessee, and we got to sit down face-to-face and talk through a lot of really intimate stuff from balancing work and life to really showing up and feeling worthy and feeling enough to shedding all of the childhood stuff that can get in the way of our success. We tackle it all today and we don't hold anything back. I actually share a lot of stuff that I haven't shared on this podcast before because Alicia is just that kind of friend to really show up hold space, support, and be there. I love this conversation with her. It is one of inspiration. It is one of encouragement. It is one of resilience. And it is one that I think that you are going to connect to as well. So if you do, make sure to please tag me and Alicia. That's A-L-Y-S-H-I-A-O-C-H-S-E on Instagram and let us know what your biggest takeaway of today's episode is. I think that you're going to feel connected to this episode. And um, it's one that I want to make sure that we let Alicia know how connected we feel to it as well. So here we go, guys. Get ready to listen in. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hey, girl. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to be doing this. This Me is so too. fun. Um, and this way, too. I know. We're having wine. We are at my house, and this is really fun. This is so fun to do in person. It really is. Changes the whole dynamic. It does. Just going to get real quaint. We have our tea. We have our wine. So, guys, my girlfriend, Alicia Oxy, is here today to be joining us on the Influencer Podcast, and we're also doing like this really cool Instagram live at the same time of the influencer podcast. So this is going to be fun. If there's anyone who is big influencer podcast listeners, give us some stars on the Instagram story. Cause you get a sneak peek into this episode, which won't air for a little while. So this is kind of fun. And if you have questions, you can ask us on there and we will do our best to look at them and to answer them. Oh, never mind. I'll think of it at the end. So, um, Lish, I call you Lish. Um, who are you and how do we know each other? Yeah. We met at a chip bowl. That's we, my favorite. We met surrounded by a bowl of chips. Uh, which is my favorite. If anybody follows along on Instagram, I often say I love you more than chips, which gives. That's, that's a big that's, deal. That's a big deal. We met at a chip bowl. We um, 
your husband being in the entertainment industry, I as well in the entertainment industry, and our our relationship blossomed from there. And then I worked with Jonathan. I was his work wife you for were, a while. You were his wife. So who am I? Yeah, I'm I'm a storyteller. You are. You're. I'm. Storyteller. I'm a storyteller. An actress. An actor. An artist. A podcaster. Yes. You have a podcast that is called? That One Audition. Yes. So if you, you've probably seen me mention it on Instagram, on the Facebook, on all the things. Uh, Lish's podcast is called That One Audition and that covers? Everything. The goals, struggles, triumphs in a creative industry. What I always like to say is I use this as kind of a mentorship tool or like pulling back the veil on how a creative does it because there is no right or wrong way in creativity. There's just your way. Exactly. And I kind of just love hearing how everybody's done it so differently. I don't think that there is that one roadmap. So I don't, I particularly don't like when people in creative industries take advantage of people being like, if you do A plus B, it's going to equal C. And I just don't think that that's realistic. I, I kind right. of just like hearing from a, a pool of people and then gleaming, oh, this would work for me. Let me try this or let mm-hmm. me try this. And just longevity of creativity. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. When That's why I always get really bothered when people are like, um, growing a business isn't hard. You just have to figure out this formula. And I'm like, what are you smoking? Cause like right. send, send some of it over to me. Cause it must be good because growing a business is absolutely hard because life is hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's part of life. Growing a business, figuring things out. It's not, it's, it is, it is very challenging. It doesn't mean that it's impossible, but it is, it is hard because anything that is worth it, anything that is going to stretch you and, and push you to a new level is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And not only that, it's going to take time. I just did this whole reference. Hi guys. It's kind of fun to look over. I I always, I do this reference about how we give, um, so much time, attention and admiration to people that are like, Oh, I want to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. And then the parenting part of it is like, yes, let's go around and accolade that. But if you're in business, if you're creating your business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're creative, it takes just as much time to go and get that 10 years, that 10,000 hours experience, the mistakes yeah, to, in order to best serve your business. Yeah. And I don't think if, if, if I was someone listening to this right now and was looking for a men, like mentorship or looking for guidance or looking for how to, or a roadmap or a step-by-step into figuring out whatever it was that I was trying to figure out. And I found someone that was telling me that it wasn't hard. I would run so far to the opposite way. That is not someone who I would be like, yes, yeah, sign me up for that because they're not being honest with themselves. They're not being honest. And I, that we get pitched people all the time for the podcast, which is so great. And I say, I want a minimum of 10 years experience because anybody in a business that booms right away, people are going to say that's like a stroke of good luck or mm. they haven't hit the valley yet of knowing their own strength and perseverance. Yeah. And adaptability. Yeah. A lot of, you know, actors or creatives or entrepreneurs hit that one place and then they quit because they haven't garnered the tools to survive that pitfall. Yeah. That's a great point. And And, yeah. And I love hearing about various pitfalls. That's where we gleam the the most, um, something to emulate Mm. because how much are we constant? Like the day to day is the struggle, but we all, we have the highlight reel on Instagram where we're like, Oh, 
so much success. It's, I wish there was like a tagline. It's really not that hard. It's not that Just hard. follow me. I wish there give me all your money and I'll tell you how to do it. I mean, yeah. there should be like a caption of how long did it take me to get this photo? How long did it take me to do this movie that I'm now promoting? Yeah. How long? I wish there was um just a realistic way into like exactly what you're saying. I think there's something about having hope and um, inspiring people there, but there's also something about just knowing that nothing's going to change unless you sit down and do the work. Yeah. Nothing's going to change unless you sit down and do the work. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, cause I have listeners that are watching us on Instagram right now that will, they'll DM me or they'll email me or find me. And they'll say to me, like, I really wish that you would interview someone who was just starting out so I could relate to that person more because everyone that you interview, they've got the 10 years of experience or they've already made it. And I want to be able to talk to someone who's kind of in it. And I'm like, I get what you're saying. And I agree with you. It is important for you to be able to mirror yourself and see yourself in that person. But this person is still in the trenches. I don't interview a lot of people who are just getting out because what are they going to have to really say? They haven't, they haven't dove into all of this stuff. They haven't quite, you, you have to be able to, to get to the other side of whatever you're trying to get to the other side of. So then you can speak more from that scar instead of that wound of whatever it is to say, yeah, man, the last two years have been really tough. And these are all of the, the, the valleys and, and you know, the ups and the downs that I had to get to, but now I'm here and this is what I discovered along the way. And here's my experience, strength, and hope to that. Someone who is literally just starting out is not going to have that depth and that understanding and, and that experience to then be able to share with someone in a way that is going to actually support and serve that person, at least in my opinion. I think in all opinions, like hindsight's 2020, right? So you know, I'm going through personal stuff right now. I want clarity. I want to understand. I want to be at the other side of the bridge so I can educate myself and I can educate other people of how to get through this particular situation. I'm in it. Right. I'm in the forest. Right. How am I supposed to help myself or help anybody else? Right. If someone had a question, like, how were you, how were you able to overcome that, Alicia? And it's like, well, I haven't overcome it I'm yet. Still, I'm still in it. I'm still coming into it. Yeah. It's so, kind of like, I think I'm like, if someone were to ever interview me when I was 21 as a publicist to be like, Hey, let's interview you about what it's like, you know, to be this expert PR person. And I'm like, what, what the crap do I have? I don't know anything. I'm 21 years old. I'm just figuring it out. Right. And I think what you also said too, is there's different levels of constantly figuring it out just because of the people that you might be interviewing have 10 plus years experience or are deemed successful. I do the air quotes. Yeah. They're still struggling with a different component of their creativity, their, their business, their development. Yeah. So we're all at different places. So I just think the more insight you have means the more wisdom and time you've spent in that, in the trenches, in the place of figuring it out and had yes. a lot of experience trying to, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. In your youth, you're you're probably still in the first try. Right. And even if you're not youthful in age, like, I mean, in your youth of, of your, of your experience of the endeavor that you're going in. And I think that also too, going back to that note, when people do message me or say those things of like, why can't you talk to someone who's just starting out? I think that that's also kind of an excuse that we give ourselves because I used to do the same thing that this was my way of kind of playing the victim of being like, well, 
Easy for that person to say she's got a million followers. Easy for that person to say she she knew the right people or she had, you know, uh, she didn't have debt or whatever it is that I made up and told myself. And and then really I look back on it and I'm like, how was that serving me? Because all that was doing was just keeping me small and stuck and in that place. And then just kind of projecting out that stuff instead of, instead of being curious about, well, how can I look at this person's experience as something to pick up from? Like, what can I take away from this? How can I make this work for me? Instead of just thinking that it's not going to work for me or this person is so unrelatable and she's already made it. Therefore I can't relate to her. It's defensive versus curiosity, Mm -hmm. like victim versus growth. Yes. Outside of yourself. Yes. Yes. And I would love to talk about what we kind of hit on. So first off, um, where are we right now? (laughs) We're in Nashville in your office. We are in Nashville, Tennessee in my, my home here. Um, Lish came, Lish lives in LA. She came in town this weekend to visit with her beautiful daughter, Vita. And we were talking yesterday. I went to a meeting. I go to what is called Al-Anon, which is a 12-step um, recovery meeting for spouses, children, uh, friends, anyone who's ever been affected by alcoholism. So, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, um, but I grew up in, in an, a, a family, in an alcoholic home. Um, my dad has been an alcoholic for since he was probably 14 years old and, um, it's a disease, you know, and he's incredible and he, you know, has some tools and he doesn't have other tools. And so I have to seek out the tools that I need to be able to really kind of walk through how that's affected me throughout my adulthood. So with all of that said, I go to Al-Anon meetings. They're amazing. They've changed my life. They've changed my marriage, saved my marriage, all of the above. And one of the topics yesterday was on the idea of how do we know when it's time to give it over? So to give it over to essentially a a power greater than yourself, give it over to God, give it over to Jesus, give it over to Krishna, whoever it is that you believe in, when do you know when it's time to give it over? And so what one man in the meeting said, which was absolutely just blew my mind, that he was talking about um, whenever he gets to this place of perfectionism, and I know that we've talked a lot about perfectionism on this podcast, but when he gets, when he starts to feel like his perfectionism, which is one of his defects of character is coming into play, that's when he needs, that's when he knows that he needs to give it over. And the reason is, is because his perfectionism is just essentially a gateway to what's really lying underneath that, which is victimhood. And I'd never heard it explained that way. I was like, what does he mean? Perfectionism is victimhood. And he started to explain it. I'm not going to explain it as eloquently as he did, but he went on to say that when he is looking for things to be perfect, what he's really doing is putting himself in a position for things to not go exactly as he wants it to go because obviously nothing is perfect. And so then when it doesn't go the way that he wants it to go, or when someone doesn't respond or react or change in the way that he wishes that they would, well, then something is being done to him and, Oh, woe is me. And what's wrong with me? And why can't things just go my way? And why does it work out for other people and not for me? And so then it puts him in this state of victimhood. And I was like, that is fascinating. That is everything for uh, a mirror to what I needed to hear this Mm -hmm. weekend too. And I just, I think that 
awareness, first of all, brings you to the forefront of how to change a cycle like that. But it's amazing how how victimization can hide itself in so many different ways and how we condition ourselves to survive. So whatever conditioning he needed at that time, perfectionism serviced in order for him to survive certain situations. And now he, here he is adulting and creating the same cycles. We seek to repeat until we're aware. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to create patterns of behavior to satisfy that conditioning, that story that we've told ourselves. Right. So then it's so interesting then to peel back the layers to figure out how am I still feeding into this victimization? Yes. And it, I, I like, I get hot thinking about it I know. as a creative. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. That, uh, that is, that is everything. It's everything. And I think that's, I mean, all of us deal with perfectionism. It's the thing that keeps us stuck. It's the thing that keeps us in our own way. It's the thing that keeps us Small. from really stepping into our brilliance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's everything. And real. And, and then when I think of it in that way, because I know that so many of you listening, so many of you watching have said that to me that I just, you know, I don't feel like I can start yet because I don't have all the information. I don't have all the tools. I don't have all of all the knowledge. I don't have the money that I need to make this happen. I don't have the team to help me, whatever it is, but really that I don't, I don't, I don't is just, it's, it's the perfectionism, the perfectionism of you needing it to be and look a certain way to get started. But then all you're really saying is like, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim to this situation. And it's also putting all the focus on the exterior, on the consequent, on the outcome, Mm. being results driven. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, as a child, there was certain conditioning that I had. So I would, I became super OCD. My closet had to be color coordinated by sleeve length. I, (laughs) I I, may or may not have that. (laughs) I, uh, my food couldn't touch certain things. If I could make this element of me perfect, Mm I, um, what could be worthy of more love or I, mostly I could protect myself from the pain and grief that I was feeling. Yes. Cause so it's all control. It's all control. control. All goes back to the control. Yes. yes. And then how operating out of that place, I'm always, you're always going to be in lack mm-hmm. with perfectionism. You're always going to be in lack. Nobody, that's what's like the people that are starting that, like you just said, that's what stops you from any type of creativity or entrepreneurial work is thinking I have to get it perfect right away versus like us talking several times this weekend about 
this is how I started my company, my brand, my artistry. And then I learned from this and now it's evolved to this and it's evolved to this and it's evolved to this. There's no way to leap out of this victimization without just trying to become aware of what's inside you, what's lacking, what's um, inhibiting you, why that perfectionism gate is coming down, Mm -hmm. dealing with that Mm -hmm. and then doing one foot in front of the other. One day at a time. One day at a time. And also, yeah, um, in my writing this weekend, finding compassion in the confusion. It's confusing when you start something new. It's confusing when you all of a sudden have this brilliant awareness about yourself of like, oh God, I'm that I am that victimization. I am that perfectionism. This is what's holding me back. I just am trying to make sure that the judgment layer doesn't come on top of that because that's another form right. of prohibiting you from going forth with right. the healing. It's right. like all the different gates it's that all come up these things. And it's and it's all connected. Like it's, you know, any I think everyone that that every single one of you that listen to this podcast are creative beings. You you we are all creative beings. I believe. I mean, yeah. everyone. I feel is like a, that's your life's purpose is to be. Yes, is a creative being, and we have different, um, different avenues uh, and art forms in which we carry that out. Um, and so, I, I think this is the the biggest problem that stops people from really showing up to create because they feel like it has to look and feel a certain way and it has to be a certain way and before they can take action on it. And I'm, I mean, I, I'm the worst at that, you know, the other day with my husband and he pulled out the washer and dryer because there was a leak and he didn't want to put it back where it was supposed to go. Cause he wanted the contractor to come over and look at it. And I'm like, but no, it's like, it's pulled out of the wall. So now it's just like sticking out in the middle of the room. So what you're telling me that I, this washer and dryer is just going to be stuck in the middle of the room for four days. Like it's not supposed to go there, you know? And John's just like, you're freaking crazy, you know? And he like goes about his life and here I am going insane because I'm like, this thing is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be there. And because it's not there, I can't do laundry in there. I can't even go in the room because it's supposed to be there. And it's like, that is crazy. That's ins- that, that to me is the definition of insanity. Well, then you've created this tornado right. of manipulating and trying to control something that it has used now all your brain power. You're exhausted. You can't My create. Age, right. Once again, it's the gate because coming I down. Because I can't stop thinking about the mm-hmm. fact that this thing is not supposed to be where I think it's supposed to be. So then going back to the idea, when do you know it's time to give it over? Oh, such a good question. I have not learned that. Mm. I'm going to be totally honest. I think I get brought to my knees constantly. I will continue to put up the, okay, if I, I won't do this until, um, until it's perfect. I won't launch until I know exactly I'll, I'll have all of this figured out perfectly. Um, I don't want to audition until I have it done perfectly. Um, when I know it's time to give it up, actually, I'll take some of that back. I have had this within me. It, it, I think we all have it, a deep intuition, a deep knowing that when I've gone too far, even in the situation that I'm in now, I've gone too far. I've become too comfortable. I've become too, um, something doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. and I can't manipulate it. I can't fix it. I can't control it into an outcome that I want. I'm confused. Right. I don't think I'm confused. I just don't think I have the language for articulating how I really feel. Right. Therefore, my expression's being cut off. So every time I get to a place where my expression's being cut off, I know it's time to give it over and just show up. I need to just show up, whether that means just showing up the next day and doing five or six tasks 
and I say a prayer every morning and I truly believe like, take me where I need to go, show me what I need to see and tell me what I need to say and to whom. Mm -hmm. So I can, I try to have little implements of, uh, um, little integration of allowing me to get out of myself. Yeah. But I learned that the hard way. I learned once I've either made myself so sick Mm -hmm. or I've looked around the world around me. It's not the outwardly what's happening around the world is a negative reflection or it's reflecting what's inside. Right. So as soon as I see the outside world start to go so haywire, then I, I feel like I wish there was a bridge though. I had a shortcut to this. I would think after a certain age that you would get to a place where you're like, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. <laughs> no. One thing that I've learned for that, I, for that question of like, when do you know it's time to give it over and not, I don't, I don't think give it up because I, I want those that are listening to, we're not talking about like when you're, when you're jumping into this new creative endeavor and it's not working for you. And therefore, when do you know it's time to, to quit? When, when do you know it's time to give up and go on to the next thing? That's not what I mean. I mean, when do you know that it's time to release and like give it over to a power greater than yourself? And I think what I've learned through the process of my own recovery and just my own work on myself and my own work in my business is that when I'm not having compassion for myself is when I know that it's time to give it over. So it's that compassion piece of like, if I'm driving myself crazy, if I'm being such a rigid perfectionist about something is when I know I'm not, then I'm not being compassionate with myself. I'm not. And if I can't be compassionate, most importantly to myself, then how can I be compassionate to any, anyone or anything else? Or a lot of times I'll be so thoughtful and so compassionate about other people that I'm also, then I'm not putting my needs first at all. So it's like, I'm either being a complete doormat or I'm being this like punisher that just like annihilates everyone and everything in my path. And so it's that balance of like, are you needing to be compassionate with yourself in this moment? I love that. I also think going a little bit deeper, I think one or not deeper, deeper for myself is what I meant is once, um, I'm too focused on the outcome, which is a Mm. a sign of the perfectionism, especially as an artist. Right. I want to nail this. I want to do this. As soon as I hear my inner language starting to go to results, 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 expectation, expectation, Mm. expectation, that is always my wake up call into surrendering because the process is the biggest learning lesson. So much more than expectation or result. Like I recorded my hundredth interview. Mm Mm-hmm two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember at dinner sitting there being like, holy, holy, oh my gosh. hundred episodes. I did a hundred episodes. Lawrence Fishburne sat down and gave me four hours of his time. What is happening? Mm-hmm. And then I, there was a deep sadness that came with it because not that it was over, but it was something that I had been Check. projecting into the future about right. for so long that there was some expectation that would come with this 100th, this thing. And I, at the end of dinner, was able to really say, no, it really was. If you would have told me two years ago when I started this that I would hit this, and those were not even in my expectations or results. It wasn't even obtainable. It was the first real living lesson to me of, the last two years of doing the process of sitting down with people, of chatting with people, of not knowing what's going to happen with this podcast or what's going to, what's going to happen with putting my voice out there. All of those lessons far filled me up mm-hmm. so much more than trying to sit and celebrate mm. the hundredth. Right. 
So it was a really great life lesson for me to be able to sink into and the sadness that came up around it, which was interesting. And there was so much joy on the way to get there. Right. And then I got there and I was like, why am I, why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not like, I thought I was going to be elevated to this. Like, I thought I was going to, I made it right. (laughs) Made it to what? I feel like the elevation was the process. Well, it's the journey. It was the journey. And and we, there's so much simplistic language around enjoying the journey. Right. It's the climb. Yeah. Now he says, right. But then you, it, it was the first live lesson for me at, at the age that I am to have the awareness of like, oh no, it really is. So now, it is. now trying to every day be really um, grateful for the opportunity mm. to learn from whatever is unfolding. Yeah. And it reminds me of when I was, when I was little, I used to go to this camp and um, I hated it. Like I hated going. It was this overnight camp. I was just like, awkward. And like, it was like that phase of my like adolescence that I was like chubby and like I had glasses and just like, I didn't like the outside. I didn't like bugs. And like, I just wasn't like, it was a moment that wasn't aligning. Yeah. It just like was not (laughs) happening. And my mom was a single mom. And so like this time gave her the space to like, for her to like be and do what she needs to be, which now that I'm a mom, I have so much compassion for it. I was like, I don't blame you for you know, taking me to overnight camp for three weeks in the summer, you know? But I remembered one time we had to do this canoe thing, you know? And I, I was like finding all these excuses to not can, you know, I was like, I don't know if, what if it rains? What if it's foggy? What if I get wet? You know, what if my elbow itches? Like all of this stuff that I kept saying. And then finally the instructor like over the pond was like, Julie, just row the boat. (laughs) You know, he was like, just row the boat. Like that's all. And and that's such a great metaphor for life because I feel like a lot of times that's what we do. It's like we get in our boats and we're like, okay, what if it, what if it rains? What if it snows? What if it pours? What if I don't have a compass? Do I know where I'm going? Do I know how to get there? And it's like, just get in there and freaking row the boat. It's the negative narrative that's stopping you again. Right. Just row the boat. Just take action. Just do something. Do the thing. Because then you're going to know, then, then doing that something is then going to lead to another something and then to another something and then another something eliminates all your fears. Get in the right. boat. Are you what? No. Are you like, all, maybe, or maybe you are, did you see it going to rain? Maybe, maybe. Right. Are you going to run out of food? Maybe. Like it's, it's like the great parable or the, um, God, I forget the name of it. The video where the guy like his horse runs away and his neighbors, did I tell you this? The yes. Other day? Yes. Where he was, the neighbors are like, Oh God, that's so bad. He's like, well, maybe. And then the next day his horse comes back with five other horses yeah, and, the maybe. Neighbor, and the neighbors are like, Oh my God, this is so great. And he's like, maybe. And then the next day his son gets run over by the horses and breaks his leg. And the neighbor's like, Oh God, that's awful. Maybe. And then the next day the army comes by and takes every son in the village and doesn't take Except his because his, his kid, son. he had broken legs. We just don't know. So we're, it, it, just, just do it. Just do it. Thanks, Nike. Just throw it. Um, okay. What does influence mean to you? Mm. I just had this beautiful image of, of standing in your light. Therefore the light of the world is brighter. Mm. That's a good one. I just think the influence is your in, internal nature of who you are. And when you're aligned with that, that is the influence that you give the world. Mm. When everybody is plugged in to their right alignment then you're here to influence. You're here to be of, of service. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there's a book called the magic, yes, which my fave. Alicia actually introduced me to, which by the way, Alicia is one of my closest, dearest, best friends in the entire universe. 
by the way. I mean, yes. I mean, she is one of my divine soul sisters. I just did obey. Uh, I can't go there. I'll just start crying. <laughs> She's <sighs> God, I love you so much. <laughs> um, so what was so funny, I journal like crazy. You journal like crazy. I know that on this podcast, I've talked a lot about the importance of morning pages, journaling, goal setting, whatever that is for you, just get it pen to paper. And I've, I've constantly written things down. I even remember being a little girl and writing things down just as a way to stay organized. But I was looking through this old book, this black book that I've been writing my gratitudes in because I went back, I did the magic a couple of years ago and it really like transformed my life at the time. And I just started to feel this summer because we've moved into this house and it needed so many different renovations. And it's just, it's been this whirlwind of just like a lot of growing pains. And so I started to get really negative and in my victim and cause nothing was perfect and everything has to be perfect in my life because that's how I feel safe and all of that crap. So I was like, I need to get back to my gratitude. And so I was journaling in this and then I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I started to look back at pages from like years ago, pages from like eight, nine, 10 years ago, what I was saying and the very first page, and I want to read it to you guys. And this is actually from Elizabeth Gilbert because I remember seeing this and it was so insane that I wrote it down. So I want to get your take on it. And I think that it's very timely. So it's called the physics of the quest. Have you ever heard of this? I don't think so. Okay. The physics of the quest is a force in nature governed by the laws as real as the laws of gravity. The rule of the quest of physics goes something like this. If you're brave enough to leave everything behind that is familiar and comforting, which can be anything from your house to bitter old resentments and get out and set out on a truth seeking journey, either externally or internally. And if you are truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on that journey as a clue, and if you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, and if you are prepared most of all to face and forgive some very difficult realities about yourself, then the truth will not be withheld from you. No word. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, how good is that? It's so good. Yeah. I lost my voice. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm. It's the truth that sets us free, right? All the time. And I think in this world, we've trained, we've conditioned ourselves to not hear the truth, the light, the love Yeah, from ourselves. And yeah. we implement can, exterior circumstances so we can't hear it. Yeah. We do a really good job of wanting to invest in the story that we've created versus the instinct, the gut, and the truth that makes us who we really are. Who we really are. Instinct, the gut, and the truth that makes us who we really are. Who we really are. And I think I wrote that down when I was going through my divorce um, with my first husband nine years ago. And then it's so funny because the next page is boundaries. <laughs> what are boundaries? What is a boundary? I should have brought up the, the journal I have downstairs is from 2007. The beginning of it is. Yeah. And it's amazing to be able to shift that. I love keeping journals for that reason. Sometimes I'll stop and then I'll go back. And the thing that frightens me the most is the lessons I still have not learned. Ooh, Yeah. 
And then the but thing, what a good teacher. Oh, it's the best to teacher. be like, Hey, this is why this isn't going away, girl. Right. Like you knew this years you ago. Still have not learned the lesson. Why? Because of the narrative that you're telling yourself, right? The victimization of holding on to this, especially as a creative, I think I've done a really good job at the conditioning early on of being like, I can't, I can't be creative. That creativity isn't held in the same esteem. Mm. So then I've created this track in my life and grabbed in people and other narratives to fit holding myself back from what is really right inside me. Right. We'll get to that truth. Yes. But I also feel like our, you know, they say a lot in, um, if anyone is in any type of 12 step recovery of anything, then you've probably heard this, that your, your biggest defects can also be your biggest strengths. Yes. So in a lot of ways, I think about that. Like if one of my defects is perfectionism, because we've been talking a lot about that today, then, you know, but how has that served me? Well, I've been able to grow a business and be super organized and be super, you know, eloquent and articulate with what I want and and how I want it and, and how it needs to be done. And so in a lot of going back to that compassion piece of like with that narrative piece that you were just talking about, I'm sure that throughout your journey as an actor, and storyteller and writer that it has served you hundred percent so well. Yeah. I think part of the perfectionism is also uh, leaning into not being the narrative that everybody wants to keep me into, not even being in the narrative that I want to keep myself in. That's where I'm at now. Right. Now I, the defect is it or, or, or the things that have set that have held me back maybe for the last few years, 10 years, 20 years, however long is now what I'm embracing the most. What is that? What is that that can teach me the most at this moment? Why have I continued to repeat these cycles? What am I not learning so that I can shed and get to that truth Mm -hmm. in myself, in my work as mother, in my relationships? Mm -hmm. Just wish, I don't wish anything. I can't wish anything. I'm in the forest. What do you think that, what do you think that truth is? Like for someone who may be out there thinking the same thing, like, oh man, I feel that way too. I feel like, like I have this, this thing in me, this, this, this thing that is so great and so big. And it's like, I see it and I, I, sometimes I can see it. Sometimes I can taste it. I can hear it. I just, I know that I'm made for, for something more than what this is, but I don't know my truth. I don't know how to find and cultivate and, and live it. I think it's as simple as even, I didn't even realize this until you were talking. I think it's as simple as just believing that Mm. I'm here for something good and great. I am here. I'm, I am just continuing to bring it back even more Mm. and more simply. I'm here for something great, but we all, this story and narrative that we're trying to tell ourselves is I am bad. I have nothing to give to the world. I'm not a good artist. I'm not I'm smart su- enough. I'm not, I'm not smart creative enough. 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 Right. I think it just goes back to just believing the other narrative. I am here for something great. Right. If there's something yearning and burning inside me saying, but I am here to do something great. I'm doing, I'm doing my best to align with believing that mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of then taking all of the conditioning or all of my shortcomings, or all of my fear and lack, and jumping into those narratives instead. Right. Because, because those are more comfortable. Right, but those are just prisons. Those are prisons. I mean, there's, no, there's no freedom there. There's no power there. Right. So I think anybody that's listening, what I'm trying to teach myself is just stopping at that statement. I don't have to do anything else. If I believe, if I am doing, if I am to hear, do something great, then why can't my belief just 
trust mm -hmm. that that's just all that it is. So if we're out there and anybody is listening at this moment and they're, I'm, I'm, I need to, I'm going to do this great thing, then just believe it. Right. I think as an actor, I was told for so many years, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're not going to make it. You're and, and trying to scale what my career means to, to appease and valid, get validation from other people. After interviewing hundreds and hundreds of actors or storytellers or anybody in a business, in a creative endeavor where people are telling you no, it's easier to adhere to that versus just accepting that that's what you are. Right. So I think it's taken me 15, and it's taken me probably 20 years to accept <laughs> this is just who I am. Right. And now I'm at that place of um, what would happen if I believed that little voice inside? Right. Of just, I am here. I'm going to do something great. Yeah. Simple. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Right. It's going to be great. Of future tripping and putting myself in the cage, right. holding myself back. I am going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. That's the point. What's well, like, I, um, what was his name? Rich Roll. I think I saw something on Instagram today and he was, he's a massive, uh, podcaster and entrepreneur. And he was like, I didn't, I didn't run my first marathon until I was 35 years old. He's like a triathlete. You know, I didn't start my podcast until I was 45. I didn't write my first book until I was 47. Now I'm 52 and I'm yeah. Live, you know, living life. And so I think that that's just such a great reminder too, is that there's so many limitations that we put on to ourselves because that's what makes ourselves feel safe, you know, of like, well, let me just cage myself here or here or here or here. And so it doesn't allow us the freedom to just be. Yes. And I think as humans, for some reason, we're terrified of change. And in order to do something new, to create or listen to that voice within change is inevitable. Growth is inevitable. We know these things, but I think trying to have compassion around the change is also what I'm trying to, you have to try something new in order to break the cycle of smallness of listening to the negative narrative. Yes. So I'm trying to get more comfortable with the unknown, with the change, with the uncertainty, with the mystery, with the darkness, because what's on the other side of darkness is light. Yeah. It's all the like simple all parables the things. that like come back. But I know until you're in the depth of your own sorrow, in the depth of your own cage, in the depth of your own grief, your own limitations. Mm -hmm. I don't think you until you're at that knees point. All of a sudden, all these simple terms come into clear focus to survive. And I also think it's interesting that we as humans continue to um, cocoon ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to get through whatever I'm going through right now which means it'll probably come with a really nice lush garden if I implement and plant the seeds that will continue for my confidence to expand beyond. I know this. Right. But then again, in seven years, I'm probably going to do another cocoon, a different cocoon. Right. And just having grace around that. Well, yeah. And I think lessons keep coming back if you don't learn them. Right. Repeat that cycle until there's awareness. Yeah. And once you have the awareness, there's no going back. So then you have to change. Mm -hmm. Oh, so how did, how's your perspective on just the, the evolution of the, you know, cause your industry is different than my industry. Cause you're in, you're an actor and you're in the TV and film industry, but I feel like they're, they're really, there's so much of the same because they're both built upon connection. So I'm thinking more of like in, in this industry of, of connectivity, right? Um, how is your perspective 
as an actor with it? Cause I feel like your perspective of like social media and just can, and even cause your industry's changed, changed so much. How is your perspective of that being more on the creative side and less on like, for me would be like the marketing side. Right. Mm. And let me think about and not this. Cre- creation side, I guess more about, are you trying to ask what I can, my perspective on what I can control or not control? Yeah. It, and just, or? and your, yeah, your just perspective of what it looks like and how it's changed because you're kind of the part, like if I see, if I see a product, right? Like you're part of the cell in, whereas my lens is part of the cell through. Yes. You're like, how do we create this thing? And then I'm always thinking once this thing is created, how do I get it out to the masses? Yep. Yep. You know, I, I think there's a lot, there's two types of people, Mm -hmm. right? Those that create. And then those that know how to market and sell that creation. I think, um, how my business has changed is you have to almost do both now. Yes. I think a lot of people, you actually have, I think, or at least nowadays, the people that are the most successful are the ones that know how to do both pretty well. They're visionaries and integrators at the same time. Not that they're going to be a hundred percent doing both of those jobs because it's kind of impossible to do both of those jobs. If you want to really grow and scale at a huge rate, but like Lady Gaga, for example, there is such a visionary side to her, but then there's also such an integrative side to her. She understands the business. She understands marketing. She understands that part enough to to, then, to succeed. Right. And I think that that I'm, my perspective is learning how to balance both sides of mm-hmm. the brain that way. So you don't go so, so far into that. I just, I feel like you know, the actor, the contract actor from 50 years ago is gone. If you're not integrate, if you're not, if you're not doing the things to help sell yourself, there's, we're so, there's so much like we're diluted. There's so much out there. Well, I mean, you see actors doing commercials. I mean, Academy Award winning actors doing things that they would have never done, you know, doing brand deals. Right. I mean, I think there was an interview I listened to the other day where John Malkovich, somebody was like, Oh, I have to go do a commercial. And he's like, I've done a hundred of those. Yeah. I don't think we're above any sort of creativity right. and I don't think we're above any source of, of marketing and selling that creativity. Right. So I think more or less my perspective is learning how to nurture both sides mm-hmm. if you're predominantly skewed one way or the other. And I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of people that may be watching us on Instagram or maybe listening right now, they say that they say like, um, well, I'm the creative force. I don't want to have to sail. I don't need to learn how to do all of that. You know, just the marketing fairy is going to fall down from the sky and handle like, I'm just going to stay in my sweet little cushiony creative zone and be my little creative self. Or the other person that's like, I don't need to know how to create anything. I'm just going to like, get it out there, get it out there, get it out there. But I agree with you. I think that it has to be this, you have to take the time to kind of learn the dynamics of both. Yes. I think that's what also makes you a better brand, a better uh, creator. Mm -hmm. You have to, I, you know, when I started my podcast, this is a good, I'm horrible. I'm horrible at technology. Mm -hmm. It's never my strong suit. I'm all the creative. I just wanted to do this creative side. Now, knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are, I can give more time and attention to focus on my weaknesses, learn to the best of my ability to get them to a certain place. And then also from doing that, I can glean what is necessary and then hire the person that is able to do that. So I think it's a sitting down. My perspective now is I try to have an assessment with myself every six months. 
where am I at right now? Am I doing really well creatively? Oh, okay. How do I pick up the marketing business side of this? Right. Um, just six months ago, I was like, oh, I'm doing well, really well on the marketing business side of it. My instrument is getting really stale. Mm. I need to get into a class. Right. I do think it's a constant. I don't think you can lean into one or the other in our current day mm-hmm. and survive. Right. When even like the other day, you had this great idea on this online program that you're thinking about creating, you know, which is so unique and, and, and neat. And of, you know, of course I'm a huge proponent of online programs. I love, I love me an online program. Um, because it is a way that you can share your gifts with the world. And because of the internet, you can literally get it out to it's global. I mean, the, the ability to impact globally is, is so tangible with an online program. It's so tangible with a podcast and it's so tangible with an online program. And I think that I'm glad that you're bringing that up right now because for anybody that is listening, I am terrified. I oh, all the all the narratives are coming up. Like I don't know anything about technology. I can't do this. Okay, so I'm going to just focus on. Then I realized I was trying to just focus on how do I do it from the technological side without creating the content yet. Right. So my brain is trying to keep me stuck in the middle. Right. So therefore I'm not moving forward in any direction. Right. When you had such a great question for me that I would love for us to talk about here, because I think it could be a question that a lot of you also have that you were thinking like, I have this idea, but like, I don't even know if it like, do, do I create a program around something that like I really want to do? Or do I create a program? Like, how do I create a program? And I said to you, I was like, well, I never really create programs around things that like I want to do. Cause it's not about, I'm not trying to sell the program to me, right. you know? So it, it's, it's a, it's a, to, to me, it's a twofold of you have to be able to really make sure that whatever you're creating is like the absolute best that it can be. So you have to have the experience in it. You have to have the know-how in it. You have to be able to knock people's like socks off with it, right? You really do have to know what you're talking about and whatever topic that you're going to be creating the program in. But the most important or the second most important piece is making sure that it aligns with what your marketplace is looking for. Like does your, would your ideal audience actually buy this thing? Do they need it? Do they want it? Is it going to make their lives easier? Is it going to make their, is it going to entertain them? Is it going to inspire them? Whatever it is that your goal is, is this actually something that is marketable to the customer that you are trying to attract? And so it's that twofold because I think a lot of people get caught up in, they have this great grand idea of this perfect program that they're going to create, but that's not even what people want to come to them for. It's so interesting, even us talking about it again, the number one thing in acting when you, when people, you know, you watch an actor and they're kind of boring and they're into themselves Yes. instead of popping their attention and focus to the other person. Right. When you are interested and curious, that is when we collectively come together and you have our attention. Right. So same thing in just in this, instead of getting caught up the other day, I was getting caught up in me in the eye. Like what you I, wanted to as create. Alicia, want to create right. this. As soon as I pop my focus to the other person, also where I'm serving my curiosity, my interest goes to them. Those the cage doesn't come up, the negative narrative doesn't come up well, because it's not about you. It's it's putting a, an altruistic version, right? 
or perspective into the world of how can I best be of service? Of service. It's like the spot, like you take the spotlight off of you and you Mm -hmm. put it on the other person. And that's why I really think that my programs have been as successful as they are. It's, It's just, it's literally those two things. It's that I created a program that I really knew what the F I'm talking about. Like I know how to pitch been doing it for 15 years. I know each and every way to pitch. I don't care if you're pitching a brand. I don't care if you're pitching the homeless man down the street. You want to know how to pitch. I can teach you how to pitch. So that's done. But it's not like I wake up every day being like, oh, let's go pitch something. (laughs) Like in all honesty, at 35 years old, pitching is not even necessarily a passion of mine anymore. It was when I first started out because I've learned it, you know, and I'm good at it, but it's, it's also like, you know, checking my emails isn't a passion of mine either. You know, they used to be when it was like exciting of like, oh, what's coming in? Am I getting a response? But now it's like, I want to hire that out. I don't have time to do, to check my emails, whatever that may be. But I am really good at at pitching and I know that it serves so many people. And so it was that twofold of what am I good at? What can I actually teach someone and what can, and how, and how, what can I teach someone in a really simplified way that they can tangibly understand so they can see the results they're looking for? And, and is this something that my ideal customer actually wants to learn? And it was. And so, and, and that's, that's the only reason why it's successful. That's the secret. That's the recipe. That's that's, that's the recipe. I mean, I know people that make seven figures a year off of programs, teaching people how to start online yoga classes. And it's like, people are like (laughs) yoga. How can you even do yoga online? I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's like, do they want to learn this? And can you teach it to them? If the answer is yes, then you got a program in you. you it's not that challenging. And then the next question is, well, I don't know what my ideal customer would want. Well, I know it's it's going to shock you. <gasps> it's going to be this crazy thing that you have to do. You have to ask them. Ask I know it's a crazy concept, right. but you survey, you ask, and I'll give a uh, I'll give a major shout out to one of my dear friends um, and incredible peers, Amy Porterfield, who has an incredible program that teaches people kind of the, the back end way of like creating and cultivating a program. Um, so Amy's great. If you don't know her, definitely check her out. She has a, it's called digital course Academy. It's great for that. Very excited Um, about it. Yes. But she's, you know, she's again, because she, she was like, all these people want to create courses and I don't know how to do it. And so she walks you through how to, how to formulate it and kind of get it out into something that people can actually see results from. Um, so I'm excited for your program. I'm excited too. And that's the other thing for and all I of you put listening. It out here. Lish yeah. is an actress. Like she's she doesn't come from the online court. Like anyone can create a program if if that's yes. what they want to do. Well, what I've realized too is once again going back to time will tell you, evolve with you. I started the podcast interviews nine years ago. I just want to give any listener and here relative time. Right. Started interviews nine years ago. I wanted it to be a book. And then um, couldn't get a book deal the way nobody's making coffee table books. Okay, fine. I'll just keep going with this. Right. And I was like, Oh, great. I have great content for a podcast. It's keeping me from stopping acting here in everybody's journeys. Okay. I'll keep that going. Now I'm two years into the podcast and I get asked 10 to 20 questions a, get, a day. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? And I can't keep up with it. There, there That's so your course right there. There's the course. So it has evolved I have been shown just by showing up right. 
And I, and for the last year, I've been saying, what am I going to do with this community that I've created? Should I do dinners? I want to create more within the community that has been created. Right. And ask. Right. And then, and then do and it. And then it shows right. up. So now I'm in the integration phase of learning all new themes and trying not to go about not releasing it until it's perfect. Just right. Which, and if you have problems with that, that's when you take my program, the influencer Academy, right? <laughs> because it's like, once <laughs> yeah. you know what you're creating, then it's like, how do I market it? How do I get it out there? How do I make sure that I'm attracting my ideal customer? How do I build out products and services on top to on top of each other that actually, actually complement each other so I can actually grow and market and sustain this thing. This thing. This thing. Because the marketing is the other part. That, that's the other piece. Of all piece. things, even right. as an actor, as a creator, is a painter. Who's it, Paint all you want. It's beautiful. Right. God bless you. But then how are you going to have an energy exchange for what right. you were painting and creating? If you want it to be, like, there's a ho- there's a hobbies, right? Mm-hmm. Hobbies, and, yes. And then there's businesses. <laughs> so we're talking about businesses here. You right. know, I may you know, do, I, you know, put skincare on as a hobby. I'm not creating a skincare line. Exactly. You know, cause I know, I know my lane and I stick to it. So I hope that that's inspiration for everyone that I love that you brought that up, that your podcast was actually, you thought it was going to be a book first. And if you would have stopped, if you would have heard no with the book and would have stopped, you would have never created this incredible podcast. It's now been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times and listened to in all of these amazing countries. So I think that's a good reminder for people about that. And that idea that, you know, I can't create a membership or I can't pitch myself or I can't create a course or I can't, whatever it is because of X, Y, and Z, because it's just, it's just not true. It's just not true. It's so, it's a self-sabotaging way. Yes. Um, out of your own lane. So I'm going to try to grab. Yeah. Do you want to see the Instagram, the Instagram the story Instagram. to see if we have questions? This is so awkward. <laughs> Hi. Oh my gosh. The, the people that aren't on Instagram, they're listening to this. They're like, what are they doing? Um, inching towards I'm, I'm stealing your wine. Now. Okay. I know. I'm going to see that if we had any questions, I'm going to go all the way to the beginning. Um, I'll ask you a question. I'm sure you've answered this a lot of different ways, but we were talking about it a lot this weekend. What was your biggest hurdle to getting beyond your fear about creating this course, this brand that who you are into the shape that you're in at this moment? Um, so what was the, how did you overcome the fear component? of? How did I overcome the fear? Um, you know, very early on in, even before I started a business, when I, I graduated from the university of Tennessee in 2003, and I had never been to New York city. I was $35,000 in debt. Um, I had no job. I had no friends and I decided to move to New York. There was something inside of me that said, go to New York. And it was actually interesting. I thought that I was going to go to Los Angeles. I had gone to LA. My mom took me on like a trip with a girlfriend of mine in high school and I fell in love with LA and I was like, I'm going to move to LA. That's where I'm going to be. And all through college, I was like, LA, 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 LA. And then in April, I graduated in May in April, something inside of me was like, you're going to New York. And I was like, that truth, that voice, that was, it was the voice. I had never been there. I didn't know anyone there. It's the most expensive city in the country. Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> and so, if you would have gone in with all of that belief system and not gone. Right. Oh, yeah. And so I literally, I came, I graduated, I came home for two weeks and then I went to New York and I went to New York city with no job. 
with no place. I had my friend's sister lived there and let me stay on her couch for like a week to interview for jobs. And then I had to get out of her place. So then my friend's friend lived there and let me stay on her floor for like two weeks. And I, this kind of goes back to the pitching thing. This is where I really learned to pitch myself. I would Google music pub because I wanted to get into music publicity. I would Google music PR. Like I would try to find music publicity. And back then there was no social media. There was none of that. So I would Google like, you know, Lenny Kravitz publicist and like, see if someone popped up and then I would find emails that way. And then I would pitch myself for an interview. Like, Hey, are you looking for an assistant? Here's my resume. Da, da, da. And I probably sent out like 50 of those. And then I probably got like eight to 10 interviews. And then I got a job from that. So I think, and, and then that, that whole experience, that time living in, it set me, it changed my life because you, you know, we all, we all kind of look back at like, you know, the paths that we the took. Hindsight. The hindsight. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, because I did that, I met these people and I met those people. And then I moved back to Nashville and then I did this and then I did that. And then I met my husband and then I moved to LA and then I did this, this, you know, and then it, it's like full circle of how it brings you back to where you're supposed to be. And so I, I think for me, that idea of following my fear, there's just, there's always been this resilience, I think in me just to kind of like go for it. I am someone who, you know, I'm not one of those people who's going to like, and not to say that this is probably the smartest thing. My husband would probably say, this is like a defect of character of mine. I like to think of it as a strength, but I'm not someone who's going to be like, okay, I have to save $20,000. And once that have, I'm like, no girl, let's freaking roll the dice. Take me to Vegas. We're going to do it. You know, that's just how I've always, I'm like, Let's go. Mm-hmm. I've always been that way. And 90% of the time it's worked in my favor. 10% of the time it hasn't. And it's been really rough and bad and, you know, but a huge lesson gleamed from but it. a massive always, lesson, yeah. you know, it's like I was in, uh, I had student loan debt, which then I was able to pay off probably like 10 years later. And then I got myself into some personal debt because I was rolling the dice the wrong way. And got myself into some personal debt trouble and then, you know, had to pay my way out of that. So in some ways it's, it's, it's worked for me more than it hasn't worked for me. And so because of that, again, it's, it's about progress, not perfection. So when, when I, when I don't follow my gut, my sacral authority, which is my fear sometimes, that's when, that's when I'm, I'm not being authentic. That's when things kind of go a little sideways. Well, your interior is getting convoluted or right. clogged. Yes. So then the exterior right. mirrors that. Right. But when I follow my fear, when I go, when I just sometimes abashedly just don't freaking think about it and just go for it and I figure it out, I just figure it out. Yeah. And, so and that's I, the most exhilarating. It's, it's like for the last few months I've been saying, I don't know why the universe is asking this of me. But I have to listen. I can't I have not to listen, listen right. anymore. Right. It's it can't, it's getting louder and, and louder, louder and louder. And I, I went to New York. I made $18,000 a year in New York City with $35,000 in debt. I ended up not being able to, to stay there. So I had to move home. But that time that I got there was everything. It, it, it brought me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. 
So it all, it all worked out. Which is once again, why you can't interview somebody when they're, when, when you're they're just, just landing out. in New York. Because I wouldn't because, have known that at the time. I exactly. wouldn't have known that I was following my fear. I wouldn't have known, you know, who knows what I would have said at 21 years old. I don't know. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Because I think once you have an example, like, um, there's been several things in my life where, you know, like I moved to Florida. I don't know why I moved to Florida. Nowhere to move. I literally right. had nowhere to move. I was like, this will stop here and we'll just keep going. But that worked out so beautifully. So anytime now that I'm dealt with this, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, if I go back in a histor- and, and look at my life historically, it has always worked out when I've listened to that little voice. Yeah. I mean, I never know what's going to happen ever. Oh, it's terrifying. And that's, I mean, in your industry and in my, my industry changes every yep. single day. And I don't, I don't ever know what's ended. I don't ever know what's happened. Um, and so because of that, I never know what's going to happen tomorrow. My industry too. Yeah. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. But I think that because of that constant unknowing, it allows you to be able to follow your fear easier. I think that complacency is like the death. I think it's <laughs> because being when comfortable you, yeah, is so being dangerous. comfortable and knowing what your day is going to be like day in and day out, like it just, it gets you complacent. I have to constantly be on my toes. I have to constantly pivot. If we don't make, you know, if we, if we have a goal, revenue goals, team goals, whatever they are, and we don't hit them, we have to be able to change and pivot really quickly. And so I think, and then same thing with your industry. Exactly. I mean, you know, you could, you could book something tonight and have to be on a plane tomorrow. You don't know. And I don't know. It does keep things real fresh, yes. but there's a moments of exhaustion that I'm trying to work through. Cause when you're running that, that speed too, yes, you have to self-care is huge. huge. Does anyone have any questions? We've been on this a while and I think the, the last Instagram live quit on us because it was we going too long. We don't know if you asked any of the questions. I know. If you Hello. asked a question, send it to us. Um, let's see. This has been amazing. Yes. This has been a nice wine chat. I know. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Um, I touched on it a little bit earlier. I do really. Someone asked if they need funding to start a business. No girl. No, no, no. Your funding will, you'll know what your funding is. It'll show up as you start to build your business and expand. Yeah. Your funding will come. Funding will come. I mean, it's, would funding get you a couple of steps of ahead financially? Maybe. I mean, it may make it a but little bit easier. If you don't know what your business is, you're not going to get the funding. Right. So, and even if you had like an investor, like you don't, you wouldn't even know what to invest in, right. in my opinion. So I think you, to start a business, know what the business is, formulate what the business is going to do, how it's going to do it. It's your business, like the actual report. And then you'll know what, if, if, or what, if you need funding. Yeah. A lot of creative careers though, it's like you, you're in it five years and then you're like, oh yeah, this is what this, this creative journey costs. Oh what, don't they say like youth is wasted on the young? It's like, <laughs> if I would have known then what I know now. Same thing with my podcast. And I think for anything creative, um, I learned this a few years ago too, is, is looking at, um, as an investment versus a debt. Yes. I've been saying that about this house. Investment versus a debt. Yes. Instead of, um, uh, instead, or even when I'm saying like, well, you know, we had to spend money here. I don't say spend. I say, well, we had to invest in great change of language. I had to invest in this, you know, uh, uh, this new HVAC system. I had to invest in the new paint, Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same language as like if somebody's being a doctor or a lawyer versus being an entrepreneur, business person, creative person, they're investing in 12 years of schooling 
Right. And coming out of schooling with X amount of debt. Of debt. And for somehow like America and society thinks it's, that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. Or if you're a doctor, you're going to be in like double, right. triple that. And that's yeah. okay. But if you're starting your business and you know, you're, if you're an entrepreneur or creative, then you like need $10,000 to start your business, then that's, that's not that bad. Right. And people are like, gosh, you, you really shouldn't go into debt for that. And I'm like, you know how many doctors are in debt for decades and lawyers. And I just, so I think it's just changing the narrative, the investment into yourself and into your business. Totally. Oh, hey ladies. This was such a fun podcast. If you've been listening and you want to download a transcript of today's episode, go over to juliesolomon.net slash podcast, and then look for Alicia's beautiful face. (laughs) And then there'll be a free downloadable there. Obviously, if you're watching it on Instagram stories today, the transcript is not available because this podcast has not been aired yet. Um, but Instagram got a sneak peek today, which was really fun. This was fun guys. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you so much. Sorry. We didn't get to answer those earlier questions. We'll see if we can go back and find them. We'll see if we can find a little bit of them. Well, it was so good to have you on today. Thanks, babe. It was so great. We covered all the bases and then some. We did. I think we did. We got it all. Yeah, we did. And it is blazing hot in here. Let's, yeah. And we got two kids downstairs. I'm surprised (laughs) they've been quiet this whole time. I could have sworn they were going to bust that door. I know. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. (laughs) Love you. Love you, babe. Thank you. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Next time on the Influencer Podcast. It changed my perspective, which changed, you know, my position, you know, where I was in that place. And it was really good. Uh, That's what really helped me. But it was all through online. And this is why I'm so passionate about, exuberant about reaching people today is because in a given moment, like we can literally change the culture with our cell phones. We can really uh, impact people with the camera, you know, and that changed everything.